It's good to be with you this morning. Glad we have this opportunity to be able to worship God and to do so together. And we are uh, certainly grateful for those who are visiting with us today. Ask that your prayers also, of course, be with those of the congregation who are not able to be with us today because of traveling or illness or whatever the case may be. We're talking today about that which everyone looks for at some point or maybe even points in their life, and that is peace. The Bible chronicles to great degree or in great degree this search that humanity has engaged in since basically creation. Israel, for example, in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23, the Bible says that they cried out to God because of the heavy affliction that Egypt had levied upon them. They wanted peace. Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes, looking for meaning in life, searching for purpose and joy and contentment, but also peace. And he searched every avenue, as you recall from reading that book, that he could find in this world and settled finally at the end of the book upon the truth that real purpose and meaning and joy and contentment and peace is found in God. In Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 1 and following, Jeremiah spoke about the cry of Judah ascending up into heaven. There's the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5, verses 24 to 34, who had spent her life's savings, every penny that she had, going from doctor to doctor, trying to find some peace with the malady that she had been afflicted with. People have looked for peace Basically, since creation, and even today, people are still longing for peace. We are still longing for peace, and we struggle to find it, often because we are ashamed of the past. We're not happy with the present, and we're scared to death of the future. We're looking for peace. From the exasperated parent at the end of the day, to the war-weary soldier, to the person who simply observes all of the conflict that goes on in this world and just wants it to end. We want peace. But here's the problem. Though we all have a desire to have and to find and to enjoy peace, we live in a world that is very unpeaceful. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 19, we know that we are of God And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, or the whole world lies in wickedness. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, the Bible says that the world walks according to the course. That means it follows the direction of the prince of the power of the air. It talks about sons of disobedience. It talks about those who by nature, that is, by learned habit, are children of wrath. It talks about the fact that there are those in this world whose sole purpose in living is to try and perfect their service, not to God, but their service rather to the devil and his purpose and his cause. And I don't have to tell you that the end result of all of that is chaos. Peace has to do with a total well-being Peace has to do with harmony. 
And when we talk about peace, it brings to mind a number of words, a number of ideas. Maybe words like tranquility come to mind. Words like relief. Words like contentment. Or maybe the idea of a cessation of conflict. In fact, if you were to ask many people in the world how they would define peace, most would probably use that latter term, a cessation of conflict. I hate to bust anybody's bubble, but as long as we're living in this world, there will never stop being a cessation of conflict. There's always going to be strife and fighting and battles to some degree in some place as long as this world turns. So the question then is, Does that mean that peace is impossible? And the answer to that question is no. And the reason is because when the Bible talks about peace, when we read about the peace that God promises, that he describes and explains in his word, God describes that peace as a peace that passes all understanding. You see, it is a peace that is transcendent. It's kind of like joy. The Bible talks about how we're to be joyful people. We rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, 1 Peter chapter 1. We rejoice always, and again I say rejoice, Philippians chapter 4. And we recognize that when the Bible describes joy, that it's not talking about happiness. Because happiness in and of itself is dependent upon circumstances. It's it's dependent upon happenstance. That's why we call it happiness. But joy, rather, is this abiding sense of security, of restfulness, of contentment, and of peace. And it does not depend upon whatever might be going on outside. It's independent of external circumstances. Brothers and sisters, the peace that passes all understanding is a peace that is independent of external circumstances. Even in conflict, even when the world is blowing up and eating itself alive all around us, peace is still a reality, and it's attainable. I want you to listen to these passages, and I want you to think about what they say concerning the reality or the attainability of peace. David said, I will both, lay me, I will, excuse me, I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. That's Psalm 4 and verse 8. David is talking about peace in a very real and attainable sense in that passage. One of my favorites, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, not you may keep, but God says you will keep. Romans 5 and verse number 1, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7, be anxious in nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, when the Bible talks about the peace that passes understanding, it's not talking about a wish. It's not talking about something that might be It's not even talking about something that you can maybe have a little bit of, but you'll never really ever experience the fullness of it. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about something that is real, something that is attainable, and something that can be a reality for every single person in this world. But it's only possible when they look in the right place. 
So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to begin, first of all, by talking about some of the different kinds of peace that God describes. Then we'll talk about where to find peace. And then we'll talk about how to make it a reality. First of all, let's talk about some different kinds of peace. The Bible describes peace in basically three ways. There is spiritual peace, that is peace with God. There is emotional peace, that is the peace of God. And then there's relational peace, that's peace with others. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 just for a moment. And you'll see a passage that talks greatly about this first peace, that's peace with God. And we'll talk about this more in detail in just a moment, so I'm not going to belabor the point too much. But Paul connects peace in Romans 5, verse 1 and 2 with justification. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, he says, we have peace with God. Peace is dependent upon justification. Justification is legal terminology. It's vindication. It's acquittal. It's the ability to be declared before God just, just if I had never sinned. It has to do with being in a right relationship with God. We're one with God. That's spiritual peace. That's peace with God. Acts 10, verse 36. Ephesians 2 and verse 17. Then there's the emotional peace. That's the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15. To be carnally minded is death, Romans chapter 8 and verse 5, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, when we have peace with God, when we know that we are in a position of right standing with the creator of all the earth, then the result of that is the peace of God. It's the peace that comes from God. It is this inner calm, if you will, an emotional peace. It's the ability to sometimes, as we say, let our mind be at ease. Because we know that as long as we're right with God, then whatever goes on around, it's really just, uh, it's really just minor. It's the peace of God. And then the third one is relational peace. That's peace between people. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 18 As much as it lies within you, or as much as it is possible, the Apostle Paul will say, be at peace with all people. That's not talking about just people within the body of Christ. It's talking about all people. Every now and again, you run into a child of God who kind of is a troublemaker. It seems like no matter what's going on, it seems like no matter when you talk to them, they've always got some kind of problem with somebody. There's some, something wrong going on at work. I had a problem with a guy down at the grocery store or at the feed store or at the ball game. There's always something going on because he's always stirring up problems. That's contrary to what the Bible teaches in Romans 12 and verse 18. As much as it's possible within you, don't be stubborn and a troublemaker, but rather be at peace with all men. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, follow after holiness and peace without which no one can see the Lord. Peace with God, peace that comes from God, and peace with other people. That's the kind of peace the Bible describes. Now let's talk about where we can find it. This may be one of the most important, if not the most important point as it pertains to peace You see, while we talked about the fact that so many people are looking for peace, the real problem is that most people look in the wrong place. John Lennon, you remember, wrote the song, All We Are Saying Is What? 
give peace a chance. But John Lennon also wrote a song called Imagine, in which he imagined a utopian society which was free from God. But where God is not, peace is not. Peace is not possible apart from God. That's the problem that many people, most people perhaps in the world have not learned. The reason why there are always battles and war and strife and conflict, read James chapter 4 verses 1 and following. The reason why people are struggling all of the time trying to find peace of mind is because maybe they're living their lives in a way that is contrary to what God actually says. We can't have the peace of God if we don't have peace with God. One writer said, Peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but it comes rather from the presence of God. And I would agree, I would agree wholeheartedly with that statement. People look in material possessions and the things that this world has to offer trying to find peace, meaning in life, or they come up empty. Ephesians, excuse me, Ecclesiastes 4 and verse number 8. But the Bible describes a God whom we serve as the God of peace. In fact, many times throughout the New Testament, he's described as the God of peace. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, he is the God of peace. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 16, he is the God of peace. Romans chapter 15 and verse 39, the God of peace. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, the God of peace. Interesting footnote. If you go and you look at the passages in the New Testament where God is described as the God of peace, what you'll find is that all of those statements are found in contexts that are dealing with conflict, either amongst Christians and non-Christians or Christians and fellow Christians. And in the middle of that conflict, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, inspired these passages, inspired this instruction Almost as if he's trying to get the light bulb to go off in the minds of the people of God that says, hey, you know what? If we're having problems, maybe we ought to look to, maybe we ought to look to God and try to deal with those problems in the way that God would have us to deal with them. God is the God of peace. And the Bible tells us that God has created a situation. He has created a place, a realm, if you will, of peace. Look in your Bibles at Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to notice with me together some passages that uh, may be familiar to you. Ephesians chapter 2, I want you to look at what he says in verse 11 and 12. 11 and 12. He says, Therefore remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision and flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the uh, covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound like a state of peace? No, absolutely not. It's, it's quite the opposite. But now, he says, in Christ Jesus, who, you who were once afar off are brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. That's Jesus is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so to make uh, in himself of two one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile them both back to God in one body through the cross, having slain the enmity thereby." That's a mouthful. There's a lot there. We don't have the time to wade through it all, but I want to just I want to hit the high notes. 
I want you to notice in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and following, that what the Apostle Paul is saying is, listen, the reason why Jesus built the church is to do two things. He wanted to create a body, a place, in which man could be at peace with his fellow man and in which man could be at peace with his God. He talks about reconciling Jew and Gentile, making peace between the two of them in the body of Jesus Christ. And then he talks about reconciling God to man, making peace between man and God. Both of those are found in the body of Jesus Christ. You know what that tells me? That tells me that it is impossible to enjoy the peace that passes understanding outside of Christ Jesus. It tells me that if I'm not a Christian, that if my life is not right with God, if I am not walking in a proper relationship with God, then it is not possible for me to truly enjoy the peace that passes understanding. Remember Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, you remember. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and following, the Apostle Paul in this magnificent section where he begins to talk about all of the different struggles that we have in life, he has something to say even in struggle about peace. He says, what shall we say then to those things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spare not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also give us freely all things? Who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died, yes, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, also making intercession for us. Who will separate us from the love of God, the apostle Paul asks. You put it all together, and here's what you have. If we really want to enjoy the peace that passes understanding, then we have to look in the right place, and that place is God. It's not possible to have peace if I'm not right with God. It's not possible to have the peace that comes from God if I don't first have peace with God. And that's the cry of the New Testament. Obey the gospel. The New Testament will say, "Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins." So that the enmity, that that separation, sin that separates you and God, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, will be gone. And with that enmity or that separation being gone, therefore you can stand in a right relationship with God. You can lay your head on your pillow every night free from worry, free from anxiety, free from anything that robs you of peace. Because you know no matter what happens, if I die in my sleep tonight or if the world blows up tomorrow, it really doesn't matter because I am in a right relationship with God. I am part of his family and therefore it's all going to be okay. Peace is only found in Christ Jesus. Here's our last point. If we're going to enjoy the peace that passes understanding, we have to not only look in the right place, but we have to follow the right recipe. And I simply mean by that, we just simply, we we have to open up God's word and just do what it says. In Psalm 119 and verse, uh, verse number 165 through 167, the psalmist speaks about peace, and I want you to notice what he connects it with. Psalm 119, verse 60, excuse me, 1 65 through 167. Listen to what he says. He says, Great peace have they which love your law, and nothing will offend them. 
Lord, I have hoped for your salvation and done your commandments. My soul has kept your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. What's the connection, or what is connected to peace in this context? Psalm 119, verse 165, it is both the loving and the keeping of the law of God. Talk more about that in just a minute. But in following the right recipe, we first have to learn to obey God's will. Do what God says. Don't question him. Don't argue with him. Don't find some way to justify only halfway doing it. Do what God says. Number, se- number, number second. <laughs> number two, learn to pray. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 7. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I said pray, but I meant trust God. Praise next. Learn to trust God. Do we really trust God? That's a bigger question than what we might think on the surface. We know all the passages. We know what the Bible says. We know Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We know half the passages that we're looking at this morning, maybe even by heart. It's really not a question of whether we know that we ought to trust God. Really, the only question is, do we actually trust God? It's easy to talk about trusting God when things are good, but what about when things are bad? Do we really trust God then? The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, the same thing, trust God. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4, trust God. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8, trust God. And pray to him. Cast all your cares upon him. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. I want you to look at Philippians chapter 4 with me just for a moment. This will be our final passage for the morning. I was kind of saving this one for last because I think what we have in Philippians chapter 4 is really a combination of everything that we've already said. It just brings it all together in one context. You've heard this before. The recipe for mental health, think right, excuse me, pray right, think right, and live right. Let's look at those three points and then the lesson will be yours. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul starts by saying, be anxious in everything. Many of us perhaps would probably do well in fulfilling that imperative, wouldn't you agree? And I was running yesterday thinking about this lesson And it occurred to me, you know, sometimes, maybe it's just me, I don't know, maybe I'm telling on myself, but sometimes, you know, you wonder, the preacher stands up and says, trust God, don't worry, don't be anxious. And you might think, well, does he have any idea what's going on in my life? Who is he to say, don't worry and don't be anxious? Let me be transparent with you for a moment. If you're sitting in the chair, the pew, and you're thinking, man, I know what this passage says, but I've really struggled a lot with anxiety through my life, and a lot of people don't know what that's like, I want to assure you that I know exactly what that's like. Let me tell you some of the things that I worry about. Maybe, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll be able to relate to them. I worry about myself a lot. I have some very small kind of health problems that have been lingering for a while that really aren't that big a deal. And ironically enough, they're worse when I worry about them, but sometimes I worry about them. I think about all the stuff that I have to do, and I wonder if I'm going to be able to get it done. I think about uh, the people that I sometimes have to, that are people that I have to answer to, and, and, and I worry if I'm, if I'm doing what they want me to do. I think about 
be as a husband and a father, and I wonder, I worry sometimes, am I doing all the things that I need to do, or could I do better in this way or that way? I think about my kids. I think about the world that they're going to grow up in and what it might look like. I wonder and worry sometimes if I'm training them up the way that they ought to be brought up. Should I be more strict or should I be less strict? Should I do more in this area or maybe more in that area? I think about the church. I wonder, what about this person? Should I have done something better to help them? I wonder about that person. Did I do something unintentionally to offend them? Can I do more? I think about all of the things everybody else does. I think about debt sometimes, money. You know. I think about life in general. I think about my family, parents, grandparents, my brothers, sister-in-law. Are they going to be okay? My nephew, all these people. We all share the same lot in life, don't we? We all know what it's like to deal with anxiety. I remember a few years back, there was a student who really had a problem with anxiety. They came and talked to me one day. And I sat down and shared with the student kind of the, the, the history that I have and, and sort of dealing with that. And they asked me, what do you do about it? I said, I talked to myself. You can laugh. That's supposed to be fun. I'm trying to break the monotony of the serious moment here. I said, I talked to myself. He said, what? I said, no, really, I talk to myself. Literally, sometimes, Karen probably thinks I'm crazy. I'll be in my office talking out loud to myself. You know what I say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, when the Bible tells us be anxious for nothing but cast our cares upon God, the idea, to that is, the idea of that is you have to open up your mind and you have to allow your mind to be calm and to replace all of the negative with the positive. Sometimes our minds, they, our minds go like a thousand miles a minute. See, some of you, I said a thousand miles a minute, and you thought, you know, I used to have a car when I was in high school, and that thing could go really fast. I wish I didn't have to sell that car. I wonder what happened to that sister that I sold it to. I remember I used to be friends with her son, and he eventually grew up, and he bought a house, and I think that his house was across the street from where I went to high school. I wonder if my old teacher's still at high school. Oh, you know what? I left. That's what our mind does, doesn't it? Sometimes we just have to quiet our minds. And, so, and the way that we can do that, talk to yourself. Tell yourself over and over again or what, what God has to say about it. Quote passages of Scripture. Read passages of Scripture out loud as many times as it takes until you have cemented in your mind exactly what it is that God has to say about whatever the subject might be. Replace your anxious thoughts with God's thoughts. Be anxious for nothing, the Apostle Paul says. But in everything, pray. Pray with thanksgiving. Instead of worrying about a thing and allowing it to rob you of peace, go before the throne of God and lay that out before him. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him. You say, well, what if it's silly? 
Do you care about it? Yeah, I care a lot about it. Then pray to God and let him determine whether or not it's silly. Cast all your cares upon him. That's praying right. But then there's thinking right in verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true and honest and just and of good report and lovely and so on, think on these things. The, the phrase, think on these things, literally means give your mind over to them. We talked about settling our thoughts a moment ago, calming your mind. Sometimes that's difficult. But the idea literally is, look, you, you have to fill your mind up with that which is good, with that which is of God. We get worried and we allow ourselves to be robbed of peace too often because we fill our mind up with everything but the things of God. All of the things I talked about a little while ago that we all worry about, our, our well-being, our future, our retirement, our kids, our health, our friends, our family members, the world, all of it. We worry about all of it. And then we have health problems because we worry about all of it. And then our relationships suffer because we're too busy worrying about things. So it kind of puts us on edge, you know, and we, we kind of snap at people. Worrying about things and allowing things to rob us of our, inner, of, of, our, of, our, of our peace. It's never good. It's never healthy. But God says, listen, if you will just open up my word and you will just stop thinking your thoughts for a moment and think mine, it's all going to be okay. Then there's live right, Philippians chapter four and verse number. Uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter four and verse number nine. I like this one a lot. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. I know these passages. You might think I've read them over and over again. I've tried. The, you know, I know what they say, but still, there's just something missing. It's just not working. Let me ask you a question. You know the passages, do you ever actually do the passages? James chapter 1, you remember the Bible says that the person who is a hearer of the word only, but not a doer, that that person deceives themselves. Sometimes maybe we deceive ourselves because we think we already know the answer. We've heard the answer over and over and over again, and maybe we do know the answer, but really the question is not whether we know it, the question is whether we exercise it. We talked earlier about how following the right recipe starts with obeying God's will. Have you ever known a habitual liar? What makes a habitual liar a habitual liar? You tell one lie, and then you have to tell the second lie to cover up the first one. And then you have to tell another lie to be able to make up for the first two, and a fourth, because you've told three before, and then a fifth, and a sixth, and a seventh, and a tenth, and a fiftieth. And before you know it, your life is nothing but a lie. And then there's this anxiety that sort of can overwhelm you because you can't remember which lie you told to which person. What if you just told the truth? Then you wouldn't have to be anxious about it, would you? You see, that's where the doing God's will comes in in a practical way. Philippians 4 and verse number 9. If a person tells the truth, you don't ever have to worry about who you said what lie, uh, to which person you said what lie to make sure you cover it. If a person is trying to follow God's will, uh, you don't have to worry about uh, being arrested and going to jail for doing something that's illegal. If a person is trying to do God's will, you don't have to worry about being kicked out of school because you cheated on a test. Because you're not going to cheat on a test. It's really simple. If you just take a step back and think about how, all, how it all comes together in a very practical way, God just says, look, if you want to have peace, a true, real, abiding peace, 
Here's what you need to do. You ready for this? Just do what I tell you to do. You'll be fine. Real peace is found in Christ. It's found in God. It's found in having a right relationship with God. That's the foundation. That's it. Without that, the discussion may as well not even go on. And once we have that right relationship with God, once we have peace with God, and we submit ourselves to learning and applying and following His will for our lives, then we can start to understand this peace that God talks about, this peace that passes understanding. And so whatever happens to be going on in life, stressing about raising our kids, our money, our health, our marriage, whatever, we can come back right here to this foundation that God has provided for us so graciously. We know we have a right relationship with Him, and we know that if we'll simply, if we'll simply consult His wisdom, that He'll be able to guide us through it. And so everything is going to be okay. Sometimes we just need to think about it. Sometimes we just need to hear it. This morning we went off the Lord's invitation. And maybe you're in a position where you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I really would love, I really would love to know this peace that passes all understanding. I would really like to be able to have a day where my stomach is not in knots and I don't have to take uh, four doses of Prilosec because I'm worrying so much that I've caused uh, indigestion. I'd really like to have a day with no anxiety and no stress. Let me tell you something. If you will obey the gospel, you will be able to enjoy a relief and a feeling of contentment and joy and peace that is utterly indescribable and cannot be understood in any other way. This morning, if you're ready to obey the gospel, you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you're ready to repent of your sins, confess your faith, be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins, we stand ready and willing to help you with it. But maybe you're a Christian this morning and you're thinking about all of these things in your life and you say, you know what, I, I know what peace is like, but I don't have it and I want it. Can we help you? Can we pray for you? Can we study with you? Can we maybe even try to just talk with you and help you work through whatever it is that's causing you anxiety and robbing you of peace? It'd be our privilege. Come forward, let your need be known while we stand and sing together.